gift of Jesus, and uh, what we're talking about is the idea that God gave you and I a gift, his son. And that gift uh, is for us to be reconciled to God, this gift of Jesus. And uh, last week we talked about the idea that uh, God, Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. That, that God the Father, in his divine uh, plan, sent his son Jesus as a baby. And that was just so awesome last week as we talked about the idea that Jesus really wanted to be around people. It wasn't just a God that sits on a throne and that, that Jesus actually came down and became God among us, God with us. Um, about three years ago, I uh, went to a class in seminary called pastoral counseling. And one of the things I do as a pastor is I counsel people. And um, I thought that this class, this pastoral counseling class, would teach me how to counsel people better because I'm not really that good at it. Basically, what I do um, is I, I can see what's wrong and I can point you to the Bible and go, have a nice day. There you go, okay? Whereas a professional counselor can give you tools and kind of help you along, and, you know, it's kind of we a weekly thing. And so I went to this pastoral counseling class thinking, good, they'll teach me how to be a counselor. And so the first week, uh, they had us do this exercise where you chart out your family history and all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, God, this is a waste of my time. Like, if this is what I'm supposed to do as a pastor is have someone, like, fill out their family history and all this kind of stuff. And the second week, uh, um, we, we did this thing where you'd think of a time in your life when you were little and you'd set everybody in the class up how you remember it. So in my particular case, there was an, a fairly um, traumatic event in my life when I was about seven years old, and so that's the one I chose. And so I, I placed people all over, and then you explain what's going on, and you learn a whole bunch of stuff. By the third week, I realized this isn't counseling, teaching me how to counsel. I need to be in counseling. Like, I realized I need therapy, okay? And so, so I get, I'm, I'm like paying money for a class to realize I need to pay more money for a therapist, right? Okay, and so for some of you, you're thinking to yourself, oh no, we're at a church where the pastor needs therapy. But here's how I see uh, therapy, okay, or seeing a counselor. I see it like a personal trainer, okay? If I went, if I told you, hey, I'm, I'm gonna go my personal trainer, and you're like, well, what do you, what does he do? And I'm like, I'm working out my core, man. You'd be like, wow, what an awesome pastor. He's working out his core. He's got a, he's got a personal trainer. This guy's amazing, right? Or if I said to you, um, hey, I'm, I'm taking a class to learn another language, with this teacher that learned, like, oh my goodness, he's so amazing. He works out his core and he's learning another language. And if I said I had a nutritionist or someone who was de dealing with uh, food, you go, wow, he, 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 he watches what he eats. And this is just is really great. And if I said, yeah, I'm going to therapy, you go, oh, what this is what you'd say? What's wrong? <laughs> right? It's just a personal trainer for your brain. That, that's all it is. And so I went to counseling, I went 10 sessions, and it was really fantastic, and, uh, and, and it really helped me get in touch with some stuff that had happened when I was little, and helped me process through. And you say, well, John, isn't that what the Bible's for? It is. It is for that. But it helps to have somebody else who's a little farther along than you to help guide you through some of those waters. Well, here's what I would like to tell you this morning. 
Jesus is described as a wonderful counselor. Jesus is described as an amazing therapist, okay? This happened in the book of Isaiah, and uh, it was written 700 years before Jesus was born, okay? And this is what it says. It's talking about the birth of Jesus, and it says, For to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. And Jesus, I'm here to tell you, is a wonderful counselor. And so what I wanted to do was something a little bit different than I typically do in a sermon. I'm going to go over six ways. I'm going to invite you to a counseling session this morning with Jesus, Okay, it's $150 an hour. No, I'm just kidding. It's not, it's not really. It's free. It's totally free. But I'm going to give you six things that Jesus teaches us uh, about ourselves and, and kind of how to view the world differently. And my prayer is that one of these things, or maybe two or maybe even three, would grab your attention. And as we head into the Christmas season with family and friends and all these things, that you would keep one of these or two of these or three of these things in the back of your mind. And maybe one of them you put on your car. Uh, maybe uh, not on your car, in your car, on your dashboard or something. Maybe one goes on your fridge. Maybe one uh, is at your desk. Okay, but we're going to be looking in the book of Matthew. Almost all of them are from this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, it was Jesus' first big teaching, and it's just incredibly rich with uh, great advice and theology and all this stuff. And at the very end of this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes this incredible statement. Here's what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Going to a counselor... And not doing anything they say is useless. You can go to therapy every single week and you could walk out feeling fantastic. But until you start doing the things that the professional tells you to do, your life is not going to change. The absolute true, uh, same thing is true with Jesus. We're going to be looking at some incredibly powerful statements that Jesus makes. And unless we kind of get putting them into practice, our lives aren't going to change. This is the same with everything you've ever done. If you've ever gone to a personal trainer, if you don't do the work, okay, then you're not, you're, you're not going to see change in your life. So we're going to go over six things that Jesus talks about for uh, this Christmas season. Number one, don't be concerned how others live. <laughs> wow. There goes all of Facebook already, right there. It's gone, <laughs> right? What? What's going to happen? Mark Zuckerberg, poor guy, the stock is plummeting, right? Don't be concerned with how others live. We need to be uh, concerned about us. I need to be concerned about me. Where does that come from? Well, in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7, oh, one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, I normally don't talk about homework in church, but your homework for this week is to read the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Just, if you get some time, you only need about 15 minutes, you just read the whole thing in just one sitting. It's phenomenal. Don't be concerned how others live. Jesus says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. 
For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And in the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, for the longest time, I believed that the person who was judging me according to how I judged others was God. And so if I judged you in a certain way, God would be angry and judge me in a certain way. As I look at the scriptures and as I look, uh, as I'm getting older, do you know I'm turning 50 this month? That is just, I am just a pup. I have so many more years to go. I'm very excited about that. What happens when we judge, and God knows this, and Jesus knows this, every single one of these things we're going to go over, if applied, brings freedom, not bondage. The law of the Lord is a law of liberty. It's of freedom. So even in the things where he's saying don't do this, the reason he's saying don't do it is to give you freedom. And so he says, do not judge the world or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Do you know who the biggest judge is of you? You. (laughs) And so if you're judging someone to be the perfect parent or the perfect student or the perfect employee or whatever, that is the same standard you're placing upon yourself. And oftentimes, many, many times, we cannot handle our own standards. We, we, we have a standard for somebody, and then when we flip it and apply it to us, we're, n- we're not measuring up to that standard. One, one, ha- one day, um, so our children, we have three children. Um, they, growing up, they were very, um, what's the word? Rambunk, no, it's like uh, crazy, no, let's see. Uh, energetic, that's what it is. They were very energetic. And one day, Lisa was in uh, the store, and they were doing their normal things, which is usually, you know, riding on the cart sideways and all this kind of stuff. And a woman came around the corner with these two perfect girls. So she's pushing the cart, and one girl's on one ha- side walking, touching the cart, and the other's on the other side touching the cart. And my kids are trying to jump in their cart, okay? So <laughs> it's just, and the lady, that after she gets past Lisa, she goes, see, girls, those kids are animals, <laughs> okay, right? <laughs> Now, now, who did that hurt? Well, it hurt Lisa, to be honest, uh, because they were just little kids and she she was upset. But who did that really hurt? Well, it didn't make any difference for Lisa. She's the mom she is. She's amazing. It, it, It didn't matter. But if that's the standard and your kids go off the rail in just a little bit, you have now placed a burden upon yourself that you're not willing to bear. And God doesn't want those burdens on you. And so he says, don't judge. He says, um, I was almost going to put this on, okay? Well, I don't know what I'm doing, okay? Watch what he says. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. Fix you first, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Last week, I was making a barbecue sauce. Um, it was a ghost pepper barbecue sauce. Very, very spicy. And so, um, and I'll tell you my secret. I, not to, I usually don't give my secrets away, but it's basically ground up ghost peppers in a KC Masterpiece barbecue sauce. So <laughs> you don't even have to make the barbecue sauce like a corporation did that for you. And so, um, so I, put the, I put the stuff in there, and I thought I had washed my hands thoroughly 
Um, uh, oh, you, you see where this is going. Okay. <laughs> you guys are quick. Okay. Uh, and so I woke up the next morning, and, you know, and uh, I was in the kitchen, and I rubbed my eyes, and there was a f- ghost pepper fleck that went in my eye. And so I started r- running around screaming. Um, <laughs> And so I, I went to go put water in my eye, but this is another weird thing, and this is why I'm in therapy also, uh, is to try to put the water over my eye. When that happens, it's hard for me to breathe. Don't ask me why. I'm just deathly afraid of water, okay? That was week th- three, okay? And uh, so I'm g- trying to get this water out, and so it's scaring me, so I take the little thing off, off of the, um, uh, the sink, you know, because ours pulls out, and I, I'm like squirting it, but I'm scared of it hitting my eye, so I'm letting it just kind of touch my eye. Meanwhile, all the water's going over my shoulder onto the kitchen floor. Lisa comes in and goes, what are you doing? And I'm thinking to myself, that is so insensitive. Like, <laughs> I have a ghost pepper in my eye. Like, it's a ghost pepper, okay? They're hot. And so water's going everywhere, and then I finally notice, and she goes, go into the shower. And so I go in the shower, and I'm just freaking out and all this kind of stuff. Now, I knew there was a speck in my eye. (laughs) When a person has a speck in their eye, especially a ghost pepper speck, they know, okay? I didn't need her to go, I think I found the problem. (laughs) I've been watching you, and I think what's happened is you have a hot pepper in your eye. This is what Jesus is saying. Work on you. When you fix you, you will be in a place where people will come to you and go, how did you get the ghost pepper out of your eye? And I'll, I'll be happy to share that too. It'll be in my book. But this is what he's talking about. And here's what he's saying. You are free not to judge others. You are released, is what Jesus is saying. Second thing Jesus says in our counseling session by our wonderful counselor. To serve is greater than being served. To serve is greater than being served. Jesus was uh, really far along in his, in his ministry, and so it was becoming obvious that he was special. Okay, he had healed people. He had raised people from the dead. He had um, fed 5,000 and then fed 4,000 at, at, at another time. He'd been doing amazing, amazing things. And it was obvious that the disciples and he were on the verge of something big. And so what they thought something big was uh, that they would then take over Israel, that, they would, that Jesus would lead the charge, they would form an army, and they would kick the, the Romans out of their occupied country. And so uh, two of the disciples, James and John, what the Bible calls the sons of thunder, have their mom go talk to Jesus, which is like awesome, okay? Uh, It's really healthy behavior, by the way. Uh, Have your mom go uh, do all your talks for you. So they send their mom to Jesus and they say, hey, can you, Jesus, their mom says, hey, Jesus, can you do us a a solid and have my uh, one son on your right side and my other son on your left side? And this is what Jesus says. He says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And then he says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first 
be your slave. And watch what he does. He uses his own example. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. One of the great things about having Jesus as your wonderful counselor is that he actually followed his own advice. Right? Like, so the, 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 the three years ago when I went to therapy, I had no idea. That guy could have been a serial killer for all I knew. You know, and he could have been all messed up, but he had awesome advice, and he was a professional, so he knew what to tell me. Jesus, on the other hand, actually followed his own advice perfectly. As a matter of fact, this particular thing uh, was demonstrated in Jesus' life in one of my favorite areas of Scripture. The problem with, with our culture, American culture, and I love America, I think it's the greatest country in the world, but part of the problem with our culture is that we've taken our Bill of Rights and we've turned them into demand. We de we're, we're kind of a demanding uh, culture. We think everything should go quickly for us. We think we, there should be no pain. We think everything should kind of move along. We're, we're kind of a comfort-driven uh, culture. And so we feel sorry for ourselves, and when our expectations aren't met, we mope around or we post stuff or what, what have you. And Jesus is like, you, you can actually be free from that by serving. What, what happened to Jesus was um, the night before uh, he was betrayed, they show up at this meal, the Passover meal, and everybody shows up, and typically what would happen at that Passover meal is you would have a servant, because you're walking through dirt streets, and you usually have sandals and all this. You would have a servant uh, girl um, wash your feet. So you'd walk in, and you'd just be like, oh, hey, how's it going? And, 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 and they'd wash your feet. It was just a normal thing. It's what a servant did. But this night, the night before Jesus dies, he knows he's going, he knows he's going to be turned over to die, he gets down, and he washes their feet. And the Bible says that, he says, knowing that he was going to be returning to God, therefore, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he washed their feet. Jesus is saying this. You are free. You can be free from needing to be served. It's a real freedom when you begin to come with an attitude of service rather than to be served. And you can be free from that. And Jesus said this amazing thing. After he had washed their feet, it would be kind of like if um, Bill Gates came over to your house and he's like, hey, before I come in, I just saw some weeds in your front yard. I'm just going to do some weeding if you don't mind. And you're like, no, I, I'll get someone to do that. Jesus washes their feet and this is what he says. Do you know, you've seen what I've, I did to you? I did it as an example for you to follow, that you would serve, that you would love one another. And so Jesus uh, talks about that. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. That's point number two. I'll have them all listed at the end, and you can snap a picture of them if you want, if you're not, if you want to take notes that way. Number three, don't waste time worrying. Don't waste time worrying. Counselor Jesus, in the third part of our session with him, uh, week three, he's going to talk about not worrying because it doesn't do any good, and what it does is it puts all the pressure on yourself to perform rather than allowing God to perform. Here's what he says, and it's in a very famous section of Scripture um, uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 6. He says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And is that not, is that easy to say and hard to do? Man, 
What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And then he gives this really practical example. And I, I uh, sometimes in the morning I'll go and have a quiet time on my front patio uh, and it'll be just as the sun's coming up and there are these hummingbirds. We have like a bunch of these hummingbirds around. And I'll do this. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Here's the question. Are you not much more valuable than they? The key to overcoming anxiety is the understanding that your heavenly Father values you, that he's going to take care of you, that he's not going to let you go through anything that you cannot handle with him. He'll let you go through a lot of things you can't handle, (laughs) but the idea is that he'll get you through those things if you bring him to him anxiety is when we take it all upon ourselves to fix it that we take all that that burden all that um angst all that uh uncertainty and we own it and we say we rub our hands together and we say oh man what if this doesn't happen what if i lose my job what if my kids go off the rail what if i don't get this promotion what if what if what if what if and meanwhile counselor jesus sits back And he goes, like, Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? (laughs) He says, just give it to me. Just give it to me. He goes on and he says, and why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field grow. And he's asking you to, to, to look at nature. And so what I'll do sometimes in the morning when I see the birds, I'll just look at them and I'll go, Lord, today I want to be like one of them. Just not concerned about all the things I need to do, not concerned about the things that I know I won't be able to do, not concerned about my future, but I would just place my life in your hands. He says, see the flowers of the field grow, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And so he goes on, he's talking about how how you can connect with God's creation as a reminder that you're part of his creation, that you don't need to worry, that he's got you. And then he gives such practical advice, like he's just a wonderful counselor. He says, basically, instead of thinking about all that kind of stuff, instead of thinking about the future and how where are you going to be, you know, kids going to college and all that kind of stuff, instead of doing that, replace it with another narrative with another set of thinking and here's what he says but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own philippians was a book that paul the apostle paul wrote kind of said it in a similar way Uh, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. To take those, that anxiety and that stress and to turn it back on God. He's big enough to handle it. The fourth thing that we learned from our wonderful counselor is just tell the truth. <laughs> just tell the truth. When we start fabricating, when we can't just give a straight answer, it's because we are afraid of consequences. 
I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Maybe at work where the boss is saying something like, hey, did you finish that report? And that's a yes or no question, by the way. Did you finish that report? And it's like, wow, it's, man, it's been a busy day today. I, I, um, uh, I, I didn't know that I was supposed to get that done. And, and meanwhile, the boss is like, so the answer is no, right? Jesus was modeled this so plainly that when he spoke, he just spoke truth. He didn't try to convince anyone of anything. He didn't try to fib. When it came time to, um, it was so awesome, on that same night that he was betrayed, he's in this garden, and uh, uh, Judas is betraying him, right? And so um, he walks up, Judas walks up and and kisses Jesus because he told him, you know, this is the one I'm going to, the one I kiss is, is him. I don't know why, because I, I think pretty much everyone knew who Jesus was by this time, but whatever. And so uh, the, the, the guards come and they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus just says, I'm he. And they all fall over. <laughs> That's the kind of power he had. But he could have easily, he knew he was going to be turned over to die. He could have just said, Oh, yeah, if you go down uh, the hill, he's right at the bottom there. We're going to go this way, and uh, we'll talk to you later. He just speaks truth. He didn't worry about, uh, when he talked to people, he didn't worry about, uh, you know, trying to work around things. And this is a really tough thing to say. He would just say it. This is what he says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, again, you have heard that it was said, To the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your own head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. He says this, all you need to say is simply yes, or no, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So here's the thing. Our wonderful counselor, Jesus, wants to free us up from having to come up with an excuse. <laughs> that can be exhausting. And sometimes you come up with the wrong one, and then you've got to kind of fudge things a little bit to fix that one, and you've got to fudge this thing to fix that one. And Jesus is here to say, listen, if you tell the truth, I'll take care of the consequences. Yes, they might be difficult because you might not have done that report and that might be like the 18th time you didn't do the report and you might get fired. But Jesus will see you through that. Just tell the truth. You don't need to make stuff up. Isn't that freeing to know? I don't have to worry about coming up with excuses, with stories. I don't have to swear by my, you know, oh, I swear on my mother's grave. You know, I don't have to do any of that. I just tell, simply tell the truth. It's a wonderful counselor that would teach us to do that. Number five, don't fear what others think. (laughs) Here's a couple reasons why. You'll never know what they think. You think you know what they think, and you think you know what they think about what you think, but they don't know what you think, and you don't know what they think. Now, listen. Well, that was kind of a tongue twister and confusing. But wouldn't it be wonderful to be free from our wonderful counselor Jesus, to be free from having to think about what other people think? 
that is a huge, huge weight off of us. Have you ever um, been driving or walking or whatever, and you, you, you see somebody you know, and you wave to them, and they don't wave back? And in your mind, you're like, how dare they? Right? I wave. Here's, and here's the next statement. I know they saw me. Okay? No, you don't. You can't possibly know that. You don't know what they're thinking. They might have been looking right at you, right into your eyes, thinking, I want Chipotle today. Right? <laughs> like, you have, no, you have no idea. They could have been looking over your head. They could, they, Jesus is saying, you can be free of having to think about what other people think. And even further, you can be free from having to change your life around to fix what they might think. Here's what he says. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. He goes on, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, a lot of this language sounds like, whoa, if I do that, then, then uh, you know, Jesus is going to, or God's going to take some reward from me or whatever. Listen, if, if, if our concern is what other people think, we've lost the battle already. Jesus knows this. So it's not so much that you won't get a reward from God. It's that you'll put a burden on yourself that you are not designed by your Heavenly Father to bear. We were not created to bear what we think someone else might think. We're just not created for it. Do you know why? Because we don't know what they... <laughs> there you go. You guys are quick. You know what? I'm cutting it down to $75 an hour for the uh, wonderful counseling thing. He goes on, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. You know, this must have just broken Jesus' heart because you take something like prayer, something that's going to bring you closer to God, something that's intimate, something that, that this is why Jesus came, so that we would have access to our Heavenly Father. And can you imagine, you, you're, 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 you get to go, you get to pray to God, the God of the universe. You get to offer up your heart to Him. You get to uh, have this opportunity to pray to Him. And the thing that keeps getting in your head is what someone else might or might not be thinking. It's a travesty, is what Jesus is saying. He goes, truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Jesus often went out and prayed. Again, we have a wonderful counselor who not only tells us what to do, but modeled it. Number six, this one's a tough one. I saved the toughest one for last. Forgive. Your wonderful counselor who would sit with you and talk to you about what's bothering you or what's going on, I would say for the vast 
vast majority of people I talk to, this one's a tough one. There's somebody in your life and in my life and in almost everyone's life that has wounded you. This is what humans do to each other. We're broken. And because we're broken, we have the tendency and the propensity to wound one another. Sometimes it's not even on purpose. Sometimes we just, it's just in a conversation and something comes out wrong. Sometimes it's, it's in a, uh, the heat of the moment. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is calculated. Sometimes we do it on purpose. But I promise every single person within the sound of my voice at one point or another in their lives is going to be wounded by another person. You and I are not designed by our creator to be able to hold on to that unforgiveness. We can't handle it. And like every other one of these things that Jesus brought up, this wonderful counselor, that if you went to him, he would come. This would probably be the first thing he'd talk about, is you gotta get rid of that woundedness. You gotta get rid of that unforgiveness because it will be a block between you and your heavenly father. Jesus is so dead serious about this particular thing. Is there somebody in your life that has wounded you? Now listen, as we talked about, because we did a whole series on this, as we talked about before, you don't just forget the wound. You don't dismiss it, okay? If your dad or mom left you when you were really little and robbed you of part of your childhood, of having both parents in the house, it is a wound. It is real. It really did hurt. And it's really not the way God wanted it to go down. So we're not saying just forget about it or dismiss it. It really happened. What we're saying is we cancel the debt because what happens when you take my brokenness uh, and your offense, it creates a debt that neither one of us can repay. And so we cancel that debt. Here's what Jesus says. He's teaching them how to pray, okay? This is also in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. He starts out with this, just setting the tone of who God is in relation to us. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, that is shalom. That is a restoration of the way things are supposed to be. Give us this day, uh, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. And then Jesus, in Matthew 6, 14, begins to really, of, of all the things on the Lord's Prayer that he could have picked about God being holy, uh, about don't worry about your daily bread, all that, this is what he picks. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your, heavenly fa- your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, what is that saying? Because that sounds really, really, really harsh. To be forgiven of your sins is to be free. Okay? It's to be free. Unforgiveness is bondage. And so, in all of these things that we talked about, Jesus wants to bring freedom into your life. And it oftentimes doesn't unforgiveness, just be honest, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? That's the other thing when you go to therapy, you always have to be honest, okay? Uh, sometimes unforgiveness feels good. <laughs> like sometimes I, I will bring up a wound 
I don't know why. Maybe it's because it makes me feel better or whatever than that person. But sometimes, you guys are like, man, goes to therapy, right? He, he's totally unforgiving. Did you hear it? He said that right out of his mouth. No, but sometimes I'll bring it up, and it, it feels self-righteous. It feels good. It's, it's bondage. Now, like I said, we have a wonderful counselor who modeled this perfectly. While he was on the cross... <laughs> for something he did not do. While he was taking the weight of the sins of the world on him as a sacrifice, as a perfect, unblemished lamb for our sins, he mumbles these words, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. That is the model of forgiveness. That even in the midst of the pain, you wouldn't say to Jesus, oh, Jesus, just, uh, it's no big deal. <laughs> Forget about it, right? No, it was a big deal. And in the midst of it, he was able to go, listen, they're broken. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. They're broken. So, as Ajua comes back up, I want to go over these again so you can kind of see them. Number one, and, and, and in the, the reason I wanted us to read the Sermon on the Mount is this is six, just because we didn't have time. There's like tons of them. You, if you read that like Jesus as your counselor, it'll change your life. It's very cool. Do not be concerned how others live. So you are free to not have to worry about what other people are doing. To serve is greater than being served. So now we can be free of needing to be served of needing to have our expectations met, of needing to be comfortable, of needing to make sure it's equal. If I do this, if, if she does that, then I got to do this and that. You're, we're free from that. Our wonderful counselor has taught us um, to be free from having to worry about our lives, free from having to micromanage, free from having to make things happen, free from having to worry about uh, what's going to happen at that meeting in a week, free from what's going to happen to my car, how am I going to get here or there or there. He says you can be free from that. Number four, we can be free from having to come up with excuses and come up with fabrications, come up with white lies, come up with stuff like that. We're just free to tell the truth. And the Lord will see us through whatever consequences there were. Otherwise, we're just on our own. Uh, we're, fear, we're free from the fear of what others think. We're free from the burden of having to look into someone else's brain, read all their facial expressions, look, piece things together, watch the way they walk, watch their body language in order to try to get to a place we'll never, ever, ever get to. You'll never know what they think, and so we are free from the fear of having to worry about what they think. And number six, we're free from the bondage that is unforgiveness. My uh, prayer, like I said in the beginning, was that one of these things behind us would be something that you could latch on to for the next week or two. Maybe you know what's coming up at a Christmas party or whatever, and you know he or she or they are going to be there, and you want to really nail down this forgiveness part before you go. That you can just go, hey, you know what? They're going to be there. I'm just going to cancel their debt. I'm not going to hold anything against them. And you just be as cordial as you can. Maybe, uh, maybe it's this Christmas season you're usually getting 
you're usually receiving more than you're giving for whatever reason. And maybe you want to switch that around and go, you know what, this is the season I'm going to serve rather than be served. Maybe you might receive something as a gift from your work or whatever, and you just turn around and you give it away. Maybe for you, uh, it's something like uh, you spend a lot of time judging <laughs> other people. Maybe on social media or maybe in the news or whatever. And you, you, you're, you're just kind of, you think about how others think. And maybe in the next two weeks you want to be free from that. 